As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to this week's, this is not this week's, this Tuesday's or however often the show is produced. Who knows? There's no way to know of the athletic hockey show. Impossible to say. Impossible to figure that out, to know that for sure. (laughs) I enjoyed it. It As always, or as never, because we haven't talked in weeks or maybe even months by Sean Gentile. Whose fault was that? Not mine. Summers, I would say. Summer and Craig. Those are, those are the, those are my two. The two, the two elements that I'm placing blame on here. Oh, yeah. You've been doing this the whole time. You've been hopping yeah. on other days of the week. Yeah. Really right. controversial, by the way. You're, you're sticking me with Haley. Ian, my God. Ugh. What's wrong with you? How could you do this to me? Well, the good news is the Americans edition of the Athletic Hockey Show is back and in full force because... Not only do we have Sean and I reunited, as you all have demanded, we've heard all the one person on Twitter that asked us when we were going to be back on. We heard, we heard that person. Thank you to that person. Stop, um, stop coming to my home. Leave, <laughs> leave me and my family alone. Everybody calm down. We're back. We're back. And to make it even more American, Don Waddell joins us later, uh, who is... Of course, he's the GM of the Carolina Hurricanes, former Team USA architect uh, of the Olympics. He is, you know, knee deep in USA hockey. 
um, pretty, you know, has the red, white, and blue at all times. Um, I think he had a, was flying a flag on the Zoom call behind him while we talked to him. It's really surprising. Very, sm- very happens. small, very small bald eagle, but it was, it was there. It was there. You know what I meant to ask him? I'm really mad. I was going to make a joke because we were on Zoom. If, if Kakaniemi's next contract was in the jo- drawer behind him, I had that joke all lined up. And I didn't do it. <laughs> we didn't even, we didn't even get a Southeast Division forever. So slipped much. in there. How did we long live the thrash? How long did we not say thr- that? We got the, we didn't. You're, but the beauty of out it of is practice. It's because it's 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 because we haven't we haven't talked in a, in a month or whatever it's been. And also, Don was really good. In, yeah, and it was a fun absolutely. conversation. We of course talked about the offer sheet, the the origins of it, how it came out. My favorite part that I'm glad I remembered was his quote that that matched up word for word with Mark Bergevin. The quote that made me like spit out. Uh, the drink I was had when I found out the news, like it was, the whole thing was was uh, beautifully orchestrated, executed. They got the player. It never happens in hockey, so that was that's a great conversation with Don. Um, he's, the, but, he's the busiest yeah. man in the sport between between the offer sheet, between running the running the business side for running the rodeo for, for the Hurricanes for, <laughs> for for all of these trips he apparently has made throughout his life to ver- to various rodeos and or and or mechanical bulls like my god I do like the, he he was casually dropping I'm also in charge of the business and I'm also in charge of ticket sales oh, yeah. I'm also in, and it's like uh, I, I got to run I've got to you know plan our social strategy I'm not going to ruin the I'm not going to ruin the entire interview but the the highlight was um it's him assuming that we knew some random place in, in Fort Worth that had that had a, that had a mechanical boy. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, Gillies. Like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't spent a ton of time in Fort Worth in my life. I, I, yeah. I'm sure it's great. Someday. So, Sean, I, we have so much to catch. I don't even know I where know. to start. This is like this is like this is drinking from a fire hose, right? This is what ha- this is what ha- this is what happens when you. Even if it's a month, even if it's like the the slowest month in the calendar, like there's it's stuff's going to stack up to talk about here. Um, so you know, producer Jeff, who's great, gave us a little bit of an outline because he he knew we weren't going to prepare for any of this. And Ew. I do like we should probably start with the Olympic news. And I know it's a few yeah. days past, but uh, you know, I, I imagine a lot of you listening were also on vacation. I hope, um, and. The Olympics ran, and Sean Yu and Dom and Corey mm-hmm. immediately ran rosters. Um, yeah, that were both discouraging from an American standpoint because, gosh, the Canadian like the extras you had as, as center on Canada. The we second you think you're clo- closing the gap on the Canadians, they oh have God, know. you know Ryan O'Reilly as a you know sitting in the press box. Oh, it's crazy. We we had all that done. You know, a week in advance because we, I mean, it was the worst kept. It was, was it even a secret? It, no. it wasn't. It was just the, 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 the slow motion rollout of knowing that, you know, NHL players were, were going to be back. So we obviously had a, had a couple calls about that. And, you know, it goes in order. We talked about Canada's first and that just set the tone. Even when we had that conversation between, between the four, the four or five of us who, who were on that call, it's like you're thinking about the U.S. roster and then you're like, and you're like, well, uh, Sean Couturier is in, like he's not going to play. He's not going to play for Canada, right? Ryan O'Reilly is going to be going to be in the press box, and you, and you 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 make the the Canada roster. I mean, and if you're me, you're like that's that's the lens that you look at it through, right? Yeah. Is you're like you're like this is this is this is the Death Star. Like what is like what is the U.S. roster going to look like? And that's not even the knock the crop of U.S. players because it's as good as it's ever been. But 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 when you're talking about you know 
the machine to the north and on, mm-hmm. on that end of things. Yeah, it's 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 tough. It's it it's it's tough to tough to come out of those roster building exercises with any thought other than my God, this is everybody else's plan for second place. <laughs> this is supposed to be the American episode. Look, look, yeah, wait, like, I need to I need to I need I need to turn up I need to turn up the jingoism. Well, I'm out so, of I'm out of practice here. What I thought was interesting about your approach was that it wasn't like here's who I would put on it, which is what I've done you know a million times, and I and I always like like to build rosters that I think are fun and probably not mm-hmm. at all realistic. Um, you were like, here's what I think is going to, this this team USA is going to look like, and with that you have to get a little bit into the heads of of you know the management team um, at USA Hockey and. Try to project because you know they're they're not going to build it necessarily. They tend to not build it how we would build it. Right? Were there players that you? As I'm looking at this 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 U.S. roster, where you were like, okay, th- I, not this guy wouldn't have been on my team necessarily, but I'm as I'm trying to project, I have to put him on there because I know they're probably going to do it. Yeah, talking talking specifically about about the U.S. roster. Yeah. I mean, it, well, first off, Pronman was was really helpful with all that because he's plugged in with you know USA Hockey yeah, he in, in the in the in the the mindset there a little bit, a little bit more than certainly the the rest of us on that on that call were. Um, I, we didn't know what to do with Johnny Gaudreau. He yeah. was he was he yes. was the one where, where where we're like, okay, like you look at you look at the way the last couple of years have gone, and on merit he might not deserve it, but it's still it's it's still Johnny Gaudreau. We didn't really know what to do with all the Islanders guys. I I, I, I it turned into like like do we. T- like, would they rather have Brock Nelson or, 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 or Anders Lee? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. That was, that was tough. Um, I didn't think Brian Russ was going to end up on the roster, but that was, that, that was a, that was a conversation that we had. You know, he's, he's actually a good example, I think, of, of the way, of the way we try to approach the, uh, the process. Is you, is, is you look at Brian Rust and is he, a, is he a star? No, but he's a capable 20 or 25 goal scorer at this point. He's really versatile. He can play really on, on this team. He can play on probably, probably three lines, kills penalties, has been really good on the power play within in Pittsburgh when he's gotten the opportunities. So you look at, at that sort of, at that sort of versatility and, you know, filling a role and it does feel like that's going to be the sort of, the sort of uh, thing that they, the, the things that they value in the process in the process that, that they go through. But it was, it, it was, a, there were some, there were some weird choices on there. Well, I think t- the mistake we make when doing these sometimes is we- we're not like who's going to play on the PK. We're- I'm like I'm going to put Jack Hughes on the fourth line, and you know what I mean, and and it's going to look great when Dom puts that the graphic out. Jeff, great Hughes, great example. Yeah. We're like because I, I I I immediately was like how is he how is he not on this team? But like, are you going to play? <laughs> are you going to play Jack Hughes on a on a on a fourth line? Do you do, do you keep Miz Spare because God knows he's not going to be in his typical role of right of uh, of of being a of of being of being a top six center. So there, yeah, there there needs to be some some mind given to the role that they fill on on a given team. Yeah, um, I, Johnny Goudreau is going to end up. I have to think he's he's playing high up on that. Line. Yeah, but who I knows? Mean, right. I hear you. I hear you. Right, right. But like, look at someone. I mean. <laughs> Brock over Brock Besser, like I don't right. know, maybe right. like those are those are those are the kind of choices that you know they're they're going to have to make, and it's a good problem for USA Hockey yeah. to have, right? Because this is especially at forward, this is a this is a deep this is as deep as as deep as we've seen, but it makes for some it makes for some odd choices because there's guys who, who you're just like oh no brainer, like but a guy like Kyle Connor, great example, like if he's not on your top line or, or, or your top two lines, like what what exactly does he do on right. that team? And it, and it's 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 an open question. 
when you move to the defense, this is where it gets interesting for the U.S. because it seems yeah. like it's a no-brainer. My guess is there's always one guy they sneak – like there's going to mm-hmm. be one or two old guys they sneak onto the roster, right? And We should have put Ryan Suter on the roster just in, in your honor. No, I, like look, the Craig, the Craig I'm, just, I'm not making the case for Ryan Suter. Spot. I'm just no, saying – I'm not I'm – not, I'm like – Or Jeff Petrie or somebody's going to get <laughs> – Who's the spot? I'm not. Yeah, like I'm. I'm only. I'm like only half joking about yeah. that, right? Like, like it. It. It happens. We've seen it every every year. There's a couple old guys that that, that sneak on because that's the kind of thing that they value. And if it's not Suter, maybe maybe it's going to be someone else, right? For yeah. sure. Maybe Ryan McDonough fills that void. You got. You know. You guys put Joe Pavelski I, on, which is you know McDonough. McDonough was kind of like that was the thought process with him. I was like, okay, he's a he's a veteran of the process. He's still pretty good. If you want to have like the quote unquote old guy, I mean, yeah, yeah how, how Ryan McDonough's 31 or however, yeah, we had this however, talk about Ryan old he is, yeah. He's not as old as we think he is. No, I thought he was, I thought he was as old as me. Yeah, I, thought, I thought he was four or five years older than he actually is. is. Super old. Up, up, no. Apparently, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, but he is old. I'm, I'm, I'm decrepit, <laughs> but it was like, but it was, it was, it was like Ryan McDonough kind of fills that, yeah, fills that slot, right? Where he's, he's, he's been, he played a ton internationally and kind of, fills that uh fills that role and he's and he's and he's still really good and he would look really good paired with adam fox in, in, yeah. in, in particular i think that was one of the fun, one of the fun kind of uh kind of pairings that we that we came up I, I i wouldn't mind seeing that what was the debate only because i've lived it with dom on seth jones i mean stan bowman is is the gm so he, we know where it's stan a no-brainer he's, 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 he's gonna he's, he's on the team there's no sense in pretending that he's not there's a there was no sense in even having that was part of, honestly, that was part of why we framed the discussion that way. Because it's like we couldn't, we're just not going to do the Seth Jones thing again. Yeah, just not, just not going to happen. And that, the, and it'll happen. God knows it'll happen with the Tears Project and all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff we discuss head, heading into the season. But that <laughs> trying to figure out how good Seth Jones is exactly was not was not. It couldn't be part of the discussion. He's, he's going to be on the he, team. He's, so. on, he's on. He's on the team. Yeah. Like there's 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 no sense in pretending otherwise. All right. Before we get to Don, I do want your because we haven't really talked about it. I do want your um, unfiltered opinion of the offer sheet effort by Carolina. What were what, when that all went down? What it- I think it's really funny, and there there <laughs> but there was there was a point where I thought I I really do think it makes sense for both teams. Like I think I think he's a good. I think he at six million dollars this year and and being part of you know having that control over him moving forward. I think he I think he makes sense for the Carolina Hurricanes. And I think saying no to Kotkaniemi at 6-1 for one year, A, and then taking first and third round picks in return for him make a lot of sense yeah. for, for the Montreal Canadiens. They're, they're be- both teams are better now than they were, hmm. than they were two weeks ago, I think. With, 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 do you, do you not, I, I, think, I think Christian Dvorak over, over, over Desperi Kotkaniemi makes, makes Montreal better. Big winners think, the Arizona Coyotes. Get some. They get to max out the the asking price. Yeah, no, good for good good for them. Mm. Great great organization. <laughs> do they do they have a rink? Is there somewhere to play? I don't know. <laughs> We're just gonna wait. Gonna wait for Arizona Arizona State to build their shit. Play to play play to five thousand seat college rink for two years. Oh my! Cro- cross your fingers on Tempe. Yeah, way to go. 
Good job, guys. Story as old as time. All right, let's get to let's let's get to the Don Wadlow conversation because it was fun. And Don, yeah. I've been covering first GM I ever covered as a as God. A kid I didn't reporter. even I didn't even want to crack that one open, but my my God, you've known Don Waddell for for so 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 long. I wanted you to ask him what his first impression of me when I showed up at the Thrasher's uh, practice facility. That's a function. A... <laughs> what? No, that's a function of, of of me being of me operating on on Pacific time at the moment. I'm not I'm not clicking on on all cylinders. Well, not ready to, not ready to make fun of Craig with with it with Don Waddell at seven seventeen a.m. Fine. That's fine. I appreciate that. <laughs> all right, let's let's dive into that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We are now thrilled to be joined by Don Waddell, GM of the Carolina Hurricanes, um, and the man who refuses to take a day off this summer, uh, crashing vacations left and right. Don, how are you? Thanks for doing this. Uh, I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, my! so is, is it slowing down at all now? Do you, are you going to give yourself a week before you, before you make huge news in the hockey space? Well, the hockey space might be under control, but, you know, I run the business side right now. Things are very busy trying to gear up for the season. So, there, there's a lot to be done, but you know what? It's uh, it's all going in the right direction, and we're happy about how the summer's played out from a hockey team standpoint. Yeah, it, I mean, obviously, well, let's, I mean, we should start with the offer sheet. Um, and you know what, Don, I was, I mean, so much of it, I mean, killed me and all of us over it. Like, the whole, the whole thing was was fantastic, but I would say... What, what what I was dying to know from from the second I saw it was who whose idea was it like where where did this shit come from and so now I, I bring you here to ask you that question what who who gets credit for this or how the offer sheet was structured or the the, the whole sheet? thing like who was like you know what we should do we yeah. should we should offer sheet Kakanyemi who like who yeah, was no. that person. Well, what happened is, you know, we started, you know, we were short one nine, top nine forward, and we were trying to uh, look to see what was out there. Not much. We felt there was free agency was going to help us. Started to look around teams, and we knew uh, that Montreal was having a hard time signing uh, Yes Barry. So, you know, I talked to Mark Bergeron uh, a week before the yeah. two before the offer sheet and said, you know, I'd be interested in trading for the player. and. So we had a lot of dialogue that week all the way through Friday night about trading for the player. And, you know, when it became apparent that uh, that wasn't going to work, you know, we knew what the, uh, as a Friday night, we started talking about the offer sheet. We knew that that compensation was the first and third. And so, you know, we talked to 
I talked to Mark about it and at the end of the day, we couldn't reach a deal. And so we moved forward. So I, I would say the whole organization was supported. Remember, we, we know this player real well. He was taken right behind Andre Sveshnikov in the draft uh, at number three. And so we, we did a big dive back three years ago into this player, his personality, his ability and all that. And, you know, we had a lot of discussion about it back in that draft year. So, you know, we knew, knew the player well. We felt like that, uh, you know, this player has tremendous upside, uh, still 21 years old. How often do you have a chance to go get a 21-year-old player uh, off a roster that's played already three years in the league? So, you know, a decision was made to try to trade for a player. And then when it became uh, apparent that we couldn't make a trade, that's when we decided to make the take the next step and make an offer sheet, something that teams have used in the past, part of the CBA. Um, I've been covering you a long time. I don't think you've used the offer sheet as a... Right. This is your first is we, you know, we've all in the, in the hockey media space, like debated the merits of it, why they're not used more often and why they are. And I mean, you, I mean, you know, Mark a long time. You've, you've got a relationship with these GMs a long time. Is, is there any like code or was, were you like, did you feel like you were violating some unwritten rules when you were going through this process or is, you know, what was the thought process from your perspective? No, you know, Mark and I have always had a good relationship. Obviously, we went through it a few years ago with uh, mm-hmm. Sebastian Ajo, a little different circumstances. And, you know, I, I was talking to Mark since Tuesday, you know, so obviously he knew we had strong interest in the player. We talked every day uh, through that whole week. And then, uh, you know, so it wasn't any surprise by any means. He knew that we were definitely interested in the player um, and did whatever, put our best efforts forward to try to make a trade for the player. And even as, you know, we said, if you're going to match, just call the agent, make your own deal. Um, you know, let, the offer sheet was not something, you know, everybody talks about revenge. You yeah. know, it's, it's not about revenge. You know, revenge is, that's a, that's a strong word that's going to get you in trouble. If that's your only reason for doing it. You know, this goes back to who the player is and who we thought, the, uh, thought how much we thought about the player uh, going back even to his draft year. So, you know, that's how it moved in. Eventually got the offer sheet on uh, Saturday afternoon. Did Mark give you the courtesy call two years ago? Like you, 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 you gave him the call the, the, the week before the offer came. Did that, was that, was that something that, that was on I the got, books a couple years I ago? I got a call the morning of the offer sheet with uh, uh, saying they'd like to trade for a player. And, mm-hmm. and two hours later, three hours later, I got the offer sheet. So a little different circumstances. And, yeah. you know, Tom Dunnan had just bought the team, right. uh, you know, and, there was some people were testing him to see mm-hmm. if he was gonna, you know, uh, put up the money. And obviously, when we got the offer sheet, we knew we know the player Sebastian real well. It took us, you know, literally uh, a minute to talk about it. We knew we were going to accept the offer, but uh, mm-hmm. a little different circumstances uh, in both deals, and certainly, uh, uh, hopefully, you know that it is, you know, again, it's it is part of the CBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't see it used very often, and I'm sure will be another uh, multiple years before we see another one. I mean, you don't see it used often. You don't see it work often. Like what was it? Dustin Penner was the last one. So this is, I mean, this is a um, a rarity. When did you know? Did, like, did you you said you were going to match yours right away? Like everyone knew that. And some level, I think Montreal did you guys a huge favor because that had the potential to drag out with with your player. Mm-hmm. In this case, I don't. You know, there was a healthy debate from day one whether or not they would match. When did? When did you know for sure you were getting the player this time? I, I didn't know until Montreal put out their release mm-hmm. uh, 15 minutes before. You know, we, we, when we made the offer, and that's why, you know, when you look at it, if you did, if we spent a lot of time talking about it internally, you know, because we wanted to 
put something forward that, you know, Montreal, like a lot of teams, have cap situations. Uh, you know, if we make a long-term uh, deal, um, it's probably easier to match because they know what the cost is going forward. Mm-hmm. So that's why we just decided we're going to do one year and make it a number that make it difficult. And obviously, uh, we can make it work from our end. Why do you think this is something we we see so infrequently? Like, is there is there is there one big reason, or is or is it just a, a combination of a of a bunch of different things? I think most times, if you look at the young players that are coming out, most times people feel like they're going to match. And yeah. the other thing is, the other thing you got to remember, you got to have a player that's willing to sign an offer sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because the money might be where he wants, but it might not be a place he wants to go. So it's it's multi uh, fixed as far as you know. You got to you're not going to do it just to raise somebody's cap or make it hard on a team. You want to do it because you really want the player. And I think then you got to have the player that wants to, to go to that team. So I, I think multiple things play into why you don't see it that often. I like the concept of getting a, doing it to a player who's, you know, the second tier player who's not, you know, everyone's like, Oh, the, you know, you should go get Pedersen. And it's like, no, like they're going to match the superstar. Right. But maybe the guy that you're not sure what you have yet, who you know you're you you could price out a little bit like that that's why I, that's what i liked about this one because i mean you're still betting on potential i mean that's a high dollar value for for what we've seen so far from them but like you're still making a bit of a bet there right and and you know it's an acquisition cost is the way we look yeah. at it mm-hmm. how many times mm-hmm. do you get a chance to get a 21 year old player that was drafted third overall you know you're right you talk about some of the other free agents or restricted free agents and you know first of all it's they're probably going to match anyways, but then it's also you got to get the player, the agent to agree that they're going to leave whatever city they're in. So, yeah. um, you know, you're right though. I think, you know, it's like Ajo. We knew right away we were going to match the deal. Ajo is our franchise player and we weren't going to let, let him go. And so I think that's what makes it tougher on the team when, when these situations do happen, like it did with this player. Great. Do you think he's a, do you think he's a $6 million player? Like I, I know, I know it's, I, I know it's just for the year, but. No, he's not a six million dollar player right now. Mm-hmm. Again, you, you but you had to put a price tag on acquiring a player. Yeah, we knew the the compensations of first and a third, but again, you know, if you told me you go buy a, a player, you know, you can't go buy players anymore. You know, you can't mm-hmm. you can't say to a team, I'm going to give you ten million dollars and I want this player. You just can't do it. So, you know, you, you look at it as a, a total package. You know what the draft picks are going to be, and you know what you're going to pay the player, and that's the acquisition price to get this type of player. It's funny because people like GMs overpay all the time in un- unrestricted free agency. Like those, and those are for twenty nine year olds. So I'm sitting here going, if you're going to overpay for a player or whatever your definition of overpay is, do it for a twenty one year old. At least there's a fighting chance he he is worth. Like you know, some of these contracts signed on July first, you're like, boy, that's that's going to be a rough one in two years. Like this and, one, you don't know. And it's for a twenty nine year old player for seven years or eight years. Like you're you're over you're you're overpaying a twenty one year old for, for for potentially one year, and then you know whatever happens after that is is up is is up to you guys. Yeah, we had we have one of those decisions this summer too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you're familiar with the concept. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. I mean, it's pretty clear where you st- like. The, I mean, it's it's just the way you've addressed address this offseason. Like, it's clear where. You're, I mean, you're paying Svechnikov, you're paying the young players, and mm-hmm. and I think in a cap space world where young players are so valuable, like that is where you have to put your resources. Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, as you move forward, you know, we look at our team now with, you know, Svechnikov and uh, Jasper and 
and uh, Marty Nakash and Aho. You know, these guys, we do it right and they continue to grow as players. We can be in pretty good shape with some pretty good young players for a long time. Sean, do you have any more thoughts on the offer sheet before I turn the page? Uh, oh, no, no. I, I think I think we, I think we about covered it. I mean, it's it's just always it's always such a fascinating thing to see from the outside just because it's, it's a process. We just don't. We just don't witness all that much. So yeah, it was it was it was interesting to see. Um, the other thing, Don, and and not to not to you know go. I don't want to like change the mood here, but today's the ten year anniversary of you know the plane crash, the KHL locomotive, and that killed among others Brad McCrimmon, who you knew really well. And I and I you know we Brad's a favorite of mine, and obviously and in, in yours as well. And I just wanted to. I mean, get your thoughts on on uh, ten years. I, and, and this isn't why we had you on here, but I was thinking of that this morning. Like, that's I can't believe it's been ten years. In in like, yeah, I can still hear Brad's laugh, and it, it's I, I, you know, what do you think when you think of that? Yeah, no, you know, the one thing we all know, Brad was a great player and he was a good hockey person, but he was an even better person. Yeah, and that that's what you you know you, you remember. You know, we remember that the laughs. Mm sitting there having a, a cold beverage at night after games and stuff like that, because uh, he was just a good nature, uh, got along with everybody, uh, very, very, very smart hockey guy. And obviously he had a great career as a player. So, but the most important thing for me is always that, you know, you remember him as a person. Yeah. He was, he was a very good person, as you know. He treated everybody great. Like, I, you know, I was just, when I was dealing with him as a kid reporter, you know, didn't know anybody, didn't, didn't know anything from anything. And he, you know, he'd sit down and have a great goose with me at the, you know, we'd go to, we're in Montreal and my goodness, um, you know, it was, it, and that's how you learn. That's how you learn the game. And he would, he was very patient with me. And, and as I was learning how anything worked and would explain things and uh, it was just, you can always tell how good a person is and how they treat, every, treat everybody, right? From the the server to the, you know, and that was Brad. Like you never knew who he was dealing with. He was Everyone got it. It was great. I agree with you 100%. It's, it's doesn't matter what your level was or what your title was. It was all the same. Yeah, he was great. So, um, man, I, I can't believe that's been 10 years. So, so Don, you mentioned a little bit on the business side. Um, you know, you, you do have – you wear multiple hats there in Carolina. What, mm-hmm. As you kind of get things geared up for training camp, what's the biggest challenge going into a season we still are – we have no idea really how any of this is going to go. Yeah, yeah, we just got new some COVID uh, uh, memos in the last uh, back the last two hours and, and a Friday. So you know we're continuing to have to adjust on this on the fly because you know as we all know uh, we're living in a, a time where nobody really knows what's going to happen tomorrow. You know we all are, are hoping that things continue to get better and you know it, it's. You know, our state's taking a different approach. We are a mass state, but, you know, it's not about shutting things down. It's about getting people out vaccinated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, people who get vaccinated, you know, the better off for everybody. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, we're living in an interesting time. And, uh, you know, hopefully, though, we can, you know, we're a little over a month away from starting the NHL season. Hopefully, we can get things, our house in order and be able to operate as we normally would in a normal season. Anything good in those COVID memos? You want to break some news yeah. in here for yeah, us? Yeah, let's go. Uh, I haven't got through the uh, seven pages. But, uh, <laughs> some uh, some de- some dense reading material. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, anybody associated with the team is going to be vaccinated to be around the team, and you know that's something that you know, we don't have any issue with. Uh, yeah. We're going to be one hundred percent compliant. So 
I was pleasantly surprised at the NHL's vaccination numbers in terms of the players. Oh, when I saw compared, like it started out a little slow, and I, I wasn't, I you know, knowing, you know, the makeup of the players, I was worried it wouldn't get there. And it seems like, how, like, do you know your number in terms of the percentage? Yeah, we'll be a hundred percent. Everybody uh, has gotten at least the first shot. Um, so that's by great. Time camp starts, we'll be at a hundred percent. It was something that, you know, again, we just try to explain our team doctors involved talking to players. We had a couple of new players that hadn't gotten it. And, you know, we just, uh, talked through the, the, uh, the whole situation. And again, you know, we're not forcing anybody, everybody's doing it on their own. Uh, but talk about the consequences and what would transpire if, you know, COVID did hit our locker room. So, yeah. um, we should be in good shape. Well, you guys had a, you guys had a couple months to kind of work in silence too. Like it, it, it's not an NFL scenario or a baseball scenario where you see where you see teams kind of level up and like okay, we're here, we're here, we're here. Like it, it it happened in real time for them. So with you guys, you could at least go dark for a couple months and then come back and say like, all oh, right, look how look how look how good we've done. We're we're we're, we're going to be at a hundred at hundred percent. Yeah, well, I think the first uh, protocols that came out some uh, month ago or whatever when we talked mm-hmm. about. You know the testing. If you're if you're you're not vaccinated, you'll still be tested every day. Yeah. You know, and, and that I think that helped change some of the the, the mind. You know, you you have some uh, religious faiths that I understand, and you know you got some uh, political beliefs that I don't quite understand. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, something that uh, you know we all have to deal with, and you know, hopefully uh, we can uh, all stay safe. So was the release of the protocol effective? Was it, did that did that went, did that move some guys over to the to the vaccinated side in, in the last it, couple of weeks? I think it all helps. You know, mm-hmm. I think it all helps. I think education was a big part of it, mm-hmm. uh, getting our uh, doctors involved. Um, mm-hmm. I think that you know, instead of hearing it from my trainer or from me and my coach, you're hearing it from mm-hmm. you know people that live this life every day that deal with it every day. So I think I think it's a combination of everything. But I would think the medical the Department of the NHL and our medical uh, uh, internal people really did a good job of uh, just laying it out for the players. Yeah, how much that was on your end? Did were you guys setting up calls with with the team's medical staff and and, and doing that on the, on the team end of things? Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were mm-hmm. very proactive. Uh, I think we had five players after free agency that had not been vaccinated, um, so we were uh, very proactive. Of, of making sure they knew what the circumstances were. And again, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we had our own internal meeting first and we weren't forcing anybody to do it. Everybody had to do it on their mm-hmm. own uh, account. Uh, but we just wanted to make sure that they had all the facts involved in it. Um, I did, There was one more offer sheet. I just remembered. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot to ask this question, Don. Um, I, when I read the quote, from you on the release that was the quote from Mark Bridgman I died like I laughed so hard like I was like that was the funniest thing I think I've seen in a release <laughs> in my life it's cool. come on who's that Who, where did that come from <laughs> I have to say you know our, our marketing social team do a, do a terrific <laughs> job and, you know the whole release uh, uh, a few other things as you know there you know it, it, it was nothing against Montreal it was all, all trying to build our fan base our fan base has been very loyal through this last year and a half or so and you know our social gets huge kudos around the league from the nhl you know and their numbers and you know we got a great team and so we talked about it and uh uh 
certainly they had some ideas and again, it wasn't, uh, <laughs> it wasn't meant at anybody other than trying to engage our fans as we try to do on a regular basis. So is that, is that one, that is not one of the business aspects that you have your, one of the, one of the, one of the elements of the business pie that you have your, you have, you have your fingers in, you weren't, you weren't sending the tweet on tweet deck whenever all that out, I assume. Uh, then, you know, at the end of the day, I guess I have to sign off on everything, yeah. but, uh, we were, they were very engaged in the last day or so. Of, actually, it wasn't even until Saturday morning when I made them aware that that was potential, uh, potential option that we we're talking about assigning an uh, uh, offer sheet. So they, they came, they moved pretty quickly and uh, came up with some pretty good ideas. That was great. I, that, that just, I love it. Now it's making me start to wonder if GM quotes and releases are actual GM quotes. I don't now Now I've doubt, I'm doubting everything that's coming <laughs> to my email. Dan. I'm sorry, I don't know how accurate those are. From now because on. You guys don't, you don't actually say we want to thank this guy for his time in the organization and all his contributions. <laughs> Um, all right, last one for me. Are you done roster building, Don? Because we, you know, there's a guy in Eric Stahl that you know would be uh, would look great in, in back in Carolina. What, what what work do you still have to have done here? Yeah, I think we're in pretty good shape right now. You know, we have 13 forwards and eight defensemen or seven defensemen and two goalies. Uh, you know, you're always looking. You know, I'm not going to say I'm not going to make any calls or not take any calls because you never know. If there's something you feel like that can help your hockey club and have a move to help somebody else, you know, it's going to be a, you need a, a partner to make a deal. Uh, but I think overall, we're pretty, pretty happy how the summer's gone and uh, look forward to get going into our training camp. Awesome. So from like a, from, from a hockey standpoint and a business standpoint, it does kind of feel like you guys are entering kind of a different, kind of a different phase. Like you're, the, there's expectations on the ice and there's increased you know, attention paid partially because of the social team who do, who do such a great job to, to how you guys exist in that sphere too. So is that, is that the name of the game this season? Just sort of, just sort of pro- progressing on both those fronts? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, you, you, marketing uh, is a wonderful tool, but you have to have something to market also. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you remember the, where we probably took the biggest step as a marketing team is when a friend of ours that did uh, hockey night in Canada uh, a few years ago called us a bunch of jerks. <laughs> and, uh, within, uh, I'll be honest, within an hour that night, we were printing t-shirts and I give all the credit in the world to uh, Mike Foreman who oversees our marketing team and that mm-hmm. because, you know, we jumped on that and then, you know, and then we fell into the emergency goalie uh, situation mm-hmm. in Toronto, you know, so we, we've had some things handed to us pretty good, but, it's one thing to get handed to it, but it's another thing to capitalize on it. And we've certainly capitalized on all those things uh, that we talked about. Yeah. And it's, an, and it's another thing to understand that it's something that would play well with your, with your fan base specifically. Like it seems, it seems like you guys, you guys know what'll work. You guys know, know what'll work with the people who actually care about, who, who care about your team the most. Yeah. And you know, we're in a, you know, we're in a, a market. Uh, I'm not going to say it's not a hockey market. It's becoming more of a hockey market. Mm-hmm. We, so we have to try to continue to attract new fans. You know, and, and you know, I can tell you that uh, over the last three years, uh, our, our fan base has really grown. And, you know, it even goes, you know, if you go back when Tom Dunn bought the team till today, we're up probably over 4,000 season tickets. And, you know, a combination of that, obviously, is we made the playoffs the last three years, which helps last year was a tough year because we were coming off a pretty good high and then uh, everything hit last year. But the momentum has picked up again this summer. And I think as we approach the start of the season, we'll have our high season ticket base since back in the early 2000s and looking forward to continue to move forward. Mm. 
Well, Don, thanks for doing this. Thanks for carving out yeah, time as you guys are making news and, and uh, <laughs> making waves. <laughs> well, we figured hockey world was pretty quiet it was, uh, Saturday night at 5 30. Everybody was sitting on their deck, starting to have their little oh my gosh, yeah. coverage. And, uh, so we just wanted to make sure that we kept you guys. You know, employment is hard these days. So we want to keep you guys all busy. <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah, we appreciate that. Poor, yeah. I felt that's who I felt for was Arpin and Sivy and our, the beat writers because I'm like I can sit here and laugh at the release and be like this is great and then they're yeah, just this is great they're that's scrambling. Luck, Best of luck, uh, Sivy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and, and Sarah said she couldn't reach me because I was at the rodeo that night. Oh. <laughs> she got a she got a lot of play out of that one too, man. She had her you gift wrapped the lead for her. It was great. What, what she failed to say is the rodeo was at our building to be the president of the arena. Also, I was working at the rodeo. You were there. You were there, you were there out of professional obligations as well. It wasn't, it wasn't solely a personal a personal trip. I, I've gotten more emails from people saying I didn't know you're a rodeo guy. <laughs> Did did you know you were a rodeo guy? <laughs> I rode the mechanical bowl back in nineteen eighty eighty one, my first year pro in the Central Hockey League in Birmingham, Alabama. So uh I go way back. You know, I'm yeah. back. So I, I had some of those days living in Houston with the cowboy boots and the cowboy hats and that, but I could say it's they haven't come out for quite a few years. How long did you last in the mechanical bowl? Now we're getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, I went I so I ran the mechan I rode the mechanical bowl. I uh, tweaked my back a little bit. And of course, as one does. That. Yeah, you'll, you'll have that. <laughs> then then in uh, in uh, the next summer, I went to Gillies and r- rode uh, the real bull in Gillies. Remember Gillies, the uh, big, uh, was a big uh, bar in Fort Worth. Okay. No, but that sounds great. Yeah, they, they had live, oh, there's a movie on it. Um, they had live bowls there, so I got to ride the real bowl in there. That didn't last very long, though. <laughs> uh, but it's an experience. At least I could say that I've ridden both mechanical and uh, real bowls. So when Civi writes, "Not your first rodeo," with the next yeah. line, that was so perfect. It was the, like the timing was it was just beautiful. Just too gift wrapped. Love it. Uh, well, thanks, Don. Looking forward yeah. to seeing you in person at some point here. And in, in got it, guys. Thank you. Yeah. This is yeah, fun. Have a, good, have a good week and we'll talk to you. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it felt inevitable. Ryan Miller is part of the USA Hockey Brain Trust officially. He was part of that raft of hires that, we, that we've seen over the last couple of days is, you know, Mike Sullivan filled out his staff and we saw some, some guys from Pittsburgh join on there. Um, and what exactly, what exactly is Ryan Miller's title with, with, with USA Hockey at this point, Craig? Do you, That's do, a good you question. Know, um, I don't know. 
here's what I would say. It doesn't matter. Ryan Miller immediately exactly. walks into that room. I'm, I'm glad he, I'm glad they did it. I'm glad he's willing to do it because he, you know, when we had him on, he, there was, seemed like there was going to be a little bit of a downtime with that last three weeks for him. Yeah. I think I, that's sort of what I was, what I was getting at. It felt inevitable that he was going to get involved in, in one way or another, right? Like he's such a, such a, such a smart guy and such a thoughtful guy. And clearly the, the desire you know, to be a part of some sort of team building, you know, brain trust was there. Like we, we knew that when we talked to him a, a, a few months ago. And I think USA hockey is a, is a, is a great spot. You can be, you can be an assistant coach on, on this, on this team, whatever, make him, make him, make him the American goaltendings are right. Like if, if he wants, if he wants a job in that capacity with USA hockey, like he, it, he should, he, he should just write his ticket and I'm, and I'm, and I'm sure he is. So Good to see, good to see him involved. Always, always good to see guys like that transition into the next phase of their lives, pretty, pretty seamlessly. Yeah, no, I'm. It's, it's good. It's smart. I mean, hopefully Ryan. I like where Ryan's head's at. He'll, I think he'll, he'll, he'll be an important voice in the room for USA Hockey. Um, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end, end in a, in a downer. But I, I, you know, Don and I, we, you know, in the interview, interview with him, we mentioned. It's been 10 years since the locomotive plane crash. And I, I just, um, you know, wanted to, first of all, I wanted to, to, to highlight a story that Dan Robson did uh, on the coaching staff. And to me, it was personal because it was Brad McCrimmon. And Brad is, is unbelievable or, you know, was an unbelievable guy, influential on in me and helping me learn the game um, at a deeper level. And I mean, you and I, you and I worked together at Sporting News back then when that, when, mm. when the crash around the time the crash happened. And I remember always, even before that, Brad McCrimmon, when, whether it was with the thrash or with whoever else, I mean, he was, he was a go-to guy for you. I yeah. feel like he, he popped yeah. up, he popped up in a lot of your work. And I, I think, yeah, but, 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 well, right. But part of that was because, was because he was, that's the kind of guy he was. Yeah. I mean, Don Don alluded to it, right? He was a he was a go to guy for for media folks, partially because he was such a such such an appro- approachable, decent decent person. So, yeah, I've, yeah, I've got I've I've, I've I, w- I watch you cover him and as a as a coach, and then and then afterwards. What I loved about Brad, um, he so he loved the game of hockey, and that's what, that was the motivation. Besides being a decent human being, which he was. Um, he, he loved hockey. And so he wanted, he wanted, if I got something wrong in the paper or whatever, or maybe didn't seem to understand it, he would pull me aside and say, here's the situation. And, mm-hmm. um, I don't, you know, that, that happens, but probably not enough. Right. And he wasn't doing it to help me. Certainly he was probably was doing it to help the players that he was coaching so that the public facing side of it and this, you know, in this local coverage was fair. And, um, you know, that was his motivation probably. And along with just being a, a great guy and, you know, I, I, yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if readers realize how important, <laughs> how important guys like that are to, mm-hmm. are to people like, yeah. like you and me, because especially, especially us as in like the two of us specifically, like, we didn't really play hockey growing up. We That's weren't, right. we weren't, we weren't hockey guys. This is, this is the business we've chosen and it's the opportunities we, we, we've been afforded, but. And that, and that, and that's all well and good, but being good at these jobs also entails talking to people like the Brad McCrimmons of the world who, who, you know, can explain stuff to, to dopes, to dopes like us, A, and B also pass on that, you know, pass on that love of the game that he had on, on a, on a level that frankly, the two of us didn't, didn't come up with. That's right. That's a hundred percent right. So I just wanted to tell, like, 
just remember Brad specifically and and just, you know, I'm thinking of Maureen, his his wife and kids, Carlin and Liam, um, you know, who probably, you know, I remember seeing Liam around Joe Louis Arena when I moved back to Detroit and always a presence as a kid. And, and I'm sure he's probably whatever, 30 now or I don't know who knows what happens with time. But, um, I, you know, it, it never gets easier, um, I'm sure, for, for the McCrimmon family. And, and, you know, I just wanted to, to tell them we're thinking of them and he's still a huge loss and I'm glad that, you know, people are still, t- you know, it's a tragedy, but I'm glad we're still having these conversations because huge impact that, you know, so many people on that plane made a huge impact to the people around him. I think, I think Robson's story did a, as, as, as good as anybody can of communicating that too. That's yeah. it. It's, it's um, worth, it's worth, it's, it's worth some time today. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. If you're unfamiliar with any of it and I was actually mm-hmm. like, that's the other thing I was reading in the comments. I was surprised people were like, Oh wow. What a sad story. I didn't, I don't remember that. And that's how, like, that's where we're ten, at. Like, ten, people. Ten, 10 years, man. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. You're talking about people in their, in their, in their twenties now who, you know, just weren't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing for them. So yeah, yeah it's quite a, it is, it, it's quite a, cause I just remember what a, what a, what a day that was just, professionally and, and personally and whatever else and, and to see people get exposed to it through through Dan's story is, is, is wild all right no good way to close this after that but mm-hmm. um i do want to encourage people now we're back if you subscribe to the athletic we like to interact with listeners and subscribers in the comments and we do this like i'm looking at the last episode which was years ago the the um the where we had Jim and Ellen Hughes. They were so good. They were so great. They were awesome. They were um, awesome. And we had some comments. We interacted. And, you know, we were, you know, we've, we've been banning phrases. So, I'm, I'm going to add one of the lists that I have to refine again now that we're back. Christopher someone K. Said, someone said 100%, which is which is 100% me. Oh, they like said we saying, had to ban 100%? I don't. I don't know if I don't know if I can do that, but that, but that would be a good one. It's a it's a crutch. It's a instead of saying yes, I say one hundred percent about fifty percent of the time. It works every time. Um, <laughs> someone wanted to ban the phrase "run it back," Christopher K. That's probably me because I yeah, like that phrase a lot. Mm. But it doesn't it doesn't affect me, so I don't care. Okay, run it back's gone. One hundred percent's gone. No problem. Um, <laughs> whoa, whoa! And my favorite comment from Yardina says please don't ever end the American edition and this is we're here to say the American edition is living on for another season at least it's forever and forever in our hearts (laughs) (laughs) thank you to to Sean for checking in from vacation in Seattle wherever it is you are Um, thanks to I'm not I'm not I'm not telling you where where I am of course you never do which is that's fair that's you're right um we think thanks to Don for joining us and putting up with our our uh, immature questions about rodeos and, and mechanical bowls. Thanks to Jeff for as always for producing and thank you for listening, everybody. It's great to be back. <laughs>